0: Talk about the rest of my views on religion. I'm going to do that starting now. It says, bearing witness, as you know, before I do that. I'm going to start over for y'all to hear me. I'm going to explain to you that Dean unitarian of the religious Jesus has been claimed by the church as the Christian Christ for all this time and they had no idea that's what they were doing until now. So, it is Christ like to be about social justice. This is Stephen Mattson, October seventh, two 2021, bearing Witness, the first step to justice. The work of social justice cannot be done unless injustice is first seen and not until the victims are first acknowledged. To pursue social justice may force us into choosing between acceptance or denial, action or inaction. We cannot face something we willfully choose to ignore. If you're gonna fight for the rights of the least of these, you will never live a hunky door existence because Jesus allowed himself to be crucified. Therefore, he chose not to live a hunky door existence. Whatever Jesus does not give himself, he damn sure is not going to give it to you. So why pray to him to give you, you something he never gives himself? Hmm. Being a faithful witness means listening to survivors and believing them at their word without shaming, criticizing, or belittling. It means humbly accepting our own limitations and ignorance so we can clearly see and accept the truths of others. To identify and overcome our own biases and stereotypes and presuppositions, we shouldn't force ourselves to only seeing what we want. Believing victims is not only a reflection of our trust, but also a symbol of our love. Being a truthful and honest witness tells the oppressed, we see you, we believe you, we love you. So if you've been through oppression like I have, compassion calms us down. Mm. facing the truth and deciding to oppose injustice is hard uncomfortable and risky it may mean confronting a friend about their abusive behavior or reporting a coworker's racist remark or talking to a family member about their xenophobic nationalism being a truthful witness leads us towards taking a stand taking a knee or, or kneeling And accepting the conflict and vulnerability necessary for doing the work of social justice. Recording a police interaction with your smartphone. Publicly disclosing the abuse of a well-liked personality. Reporting an incident of sexual harassment to HR human resources. Seeking legal assistance and refusing to cover up injustice at your church, work, or school. The first step is hard and might not be enough. It's often a matter of taking many steps. If nothing happens, press further and harder and continue to advocate, protect, and pursue justice for the sake of loving our neighbors. What that means is you are not allowed to suffer from punk ashness when it comes to these coward-ass motherfuckers in this goddamn world. There's more. Being a witness serves many important functions. It's a public act of solidarity where victims know that they're believed, loved, and worth fighting for. A witness upholds truth, which helps counteract propaganda, conspiracy theories, and historical revisionism. Reveals truth in the face of denial. Injustice thrives upon lies, manipulation, and deceit, but an honest witness thwarts such evils. Sincere witness is also said to influence public sentiment and honesty, validity, and accuracy, legitimize social justice, causes while simultaneously destroying unjust ones. In other words... Truth and the light of truth kills lies in the darkness of lies and it says standing between the perpetrators of oppression and the victims of numerous people agendas and systems and sometimes all it takes for justice to happen is for one person to courageously rise up and truthfully take a stand take a knee Kneeling. Top tyranny assumes most will be too uncomfortable, afraid, busy, distracted, are we? If you're going to fight for justice, you can't make bullshit excuses, bullshit explanations, and bullshit justifications. And it says, This is talking to church people. So when they say when he when he says we, he's talking about the church death. Therefore, non-believers and unbelievers are beautifully exempt from this discussion talking point. It says as Christians, we've often failed at being witnesses. Throughout history, we saw oppression, but mostly did nothing. Racism, sexism, and bigotry were met with either complicity or silence. Because of this racist, sexist, and bigoted-ass movements found a home in churches across the United States, instead of combating injustice, Christianity became one of its largest producers. Sadly, many times we as Christians weren't willing to fucking fight oppression because of the vocal movement of millions would embrace Christian nationalism, white supremacy, xenophobia, a patriarchal ass system objectified oppressed and shamed women and rampant misogyny and sexual abuse permeated Christian communities. LGBTQ+ individuals face bigoted hate from all sectors of Christianity, and the emotional and physical trauma was so widespread that the damage is still unfolding. As Christians, we must boldly be a witness and condemn oppression in all its forms. But even as injustices is contained today, we still struggle to bear witness. Too many of us see oppression but do nothing. Don't they? Don't do shit. They don't do a damn thing. The consequence of such inaction is the loss of human dignity in life. We must be willing to be a witness. The labor of social justice like following Christ is a damn marathon. It can be grueling as hell. Difficult as hell and exhausting as hell. It could be grueling shit. Difficult shit and exhausting shit. But by participating in social justice work, we bear one another's burdens. The burdens of injustice and equity and oppression. We do this because of love and, does, and love doesn't give up easily. Press on Sojourner and keep up the good ass fight. Meditation 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Whosoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. How have you witnessed injustice within your life? How can you be a public witness against injustice? Do you see any oppression or injustice as being rationalized or rejected by society? As a Christian, pray this prayer. God, give me the strength and courage to be a witness. May I be a truth bearer? No matter how uncomfortable or incognito the truth may be, give me eyes to see and ears to hear the cries of the oppressed. Allow me to see to feel the pain of my neighbors, then give me the courage to pursue justice. May I never prefer to escape into the comfort of ignorance and avoidance. Please send your spirit to lead me to the forefront of loving the world around There's more to say, people. Christians for Social Action, September 23, 2021. Author slash activist Stephen Mattson on social justice as a godly adventure. What we'll led you to write this book? Through Jesus and his gospel message, Stephen Matson says, God taught me the holiness of justice and I wanted Christians to also understand this. Recently, there's been a lot of fear-mongering and partisan rhetoric directed toward social justice work it's becoming something vilified instead of desire. This devotional is my response to witnessing justice work loving your neighbors being rejected as a Christian discipline among many within the church. Undisciplined disciples, that means they're never disciples at all. God damn these fucking phonies. And it says you say that social justice is a quote-unquote godly venture. Can you explain what you mean by that? He said, the work of pursuing justice within society follows the example of Jesus. Which is biblically true. Social justice played a very important role in the life and ministry of Christ. The one that is called that named by Christians. They do social justice work because they love your neighbor just as Christ did, which is the, which is the truth. Social justice rooted really in Christ, which is the truth. It's been practiced by the church as the life of Christ as part of the Catholic Catechism, its a rich Christian tradition. He's very spot on with his historical knowledge. social justice like Jesus is inclusive even to our very worst enemies explain how this kind of mindset and lifestyle can best demonstrate the gospel. Stephen Matson says Jesus loves everyone and so should we. To love others is one of the greatest commandments Jesus gives his followers. Social justice work is one of the best ways to manifest his love because it focuses on people who are oppressed and maligned by society. One reason people vilify social justice is because they want to vilify the people whom social justice focuses on. Refugees, immigrants, the poor, etc. as examples. By its very nature, social justice work is selfless work as committed towards the benefit of others. Social justice is the holy endeavor of loving your neighbors. You can't say that you adore someone, but you tag team with their oppressors for the participation, the perpetuation of the injustices, disparities, and inequalities between themselves and yourself. Stephen Mattson is a part of, he says, You write the Bible as a compilation of texts written by numerous authors who come from diverse social, religious, cultural, economic, and political backgrounds, who use different ancient languages, who write in diverse genres, who implement unique styles, and who communicate to several distinct audiences spanning hundreds of years of history. Why is diversity important for the church and our work in the world? Um Stephen Matson says, God, the Bible and religion have regularly been co-opted to oppress others, gain power, obtain wealth, and commit evil. Scripture even tells us that Satan decided to use the Bible in tempting Jesus, trying to use theology and quote biblical arguments in order to sway Jesus in the desert. Diversity helps hold our faith accountable. Different views, perspectives, and voices act as sources of wisdom and guidance, preventing us from succumbing to the ever-present temptation of narrow-mindedness, singularity, and ignorance. In other words, moral excellence is worthy of enlarging your heart territory and expanding The capacity for more and more wholeness to be experienced and not just encountered. That's what that means. Then Stephen says Jesus shouldn't be restricted by our own social, economic, political, cultural, national, and countless other identities. Diversity invites us to see God more, feel, more diversity invites us to see God more fully, he says. Different people, traditions, cultures, perspectives, experiences, narratives, ideas, and testimonies feed our faith, he says. We can either accept them and grow in our love for God and others, or we can deny them and become an echo chamber of our own worst limitations. Stephen Mattson says the gospel is for everyone, revealed to everyone. We can't truly love others unless we first accept that everyone is made the divine image of God, he said. Passionately loved by God, he said. That amato Day is impossible without celebrating diversity, he said. And then, the, here's, here's the question that he was asked. In the book, he called Jesus a criminal, a heretic, an activist and more. Why is it important to understand the different facets of Jesus when it comes to engaging in what is called... What you call godly social justice. Stephen said, Because it's easy to idolize and worship our own opinions about the person of Jesus. Social justice reminds us that everyone is divinely made in the image of God, he said. Criminals, heretics, and even activists who may try to demonize. To reframe Jesus being a criminal, heretic, and activist, which he technically was during his era, helps remind us to love everyone to the best of our ability, regardless of the status and worth of our society, religion justice system or government may place upon them then he said while our political religious social groups may devolve into dehumanization which fuels oppression social justice reminds us of the divine humanity of everyone social justice may be more than any other christian discipline or tradition invites us to embrace the divine image of god and others he said basically all that means is You have to do more than just feel for a person. You have to do life together with that person. You have to do more than just express condolences. You have to walk miles in their shoes and taking turns while doing so. Here's an excerpt from the book, Social Justice Nonpartisan, John 18, chapter 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world, Second, 2 Timothy chapter verse 2 to 5. For people be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having parents of godliness but not its power avoid such people well that means for me that's why I was quiet for a minute because I was thinking about how many religious people have used 2 Timothy chapter verse 2 through 5 to target anybody that they hate in the name of their religion but I like how um, he was able to frame that from the whole we need to do egalitarian efforts perspective. Then says, social justice is neither liberal nor conservative, neither capitalist nor socialist. I agree. No political party, economic system, or form of government has the market corner on social justice. I agree. We may think a democracy is better than a monarchy, or believe a heavenly relegated economies but in the free market but of all these systems are equally susceptible to being co-opted by bad people ruled by good ones that's true i do think democracy is better personally um even the most well-intentioned governments and the best political theorists can be mismanaged or broken and can fail miserably those things are true every nation in the world has positive and negatives but perfect utopias don't exist now that's the damn truth. social justice super- supersedes all political social economic and religious systems that is true um there's more I'm going to say just giving my thoughts together. I think heavily relegate the relegated economy is better. Then it says, nobody holds exclusive rights to social justice. Social justice thought you would interpret as a partisan agenda when it's only applied to exclusively associated with specific people. Social justice can be done by the young or the old, the rich, or the poor. A police officer the could see a pastor, a teacher, a nurse, a lawyer, a politician, a parent, a social worker, a waitress, or a child, anyone who practice social justice, those are all truths. Social justice struggles when restricted by our own boundaries and must reflect the equity and fairness of God from the Christian perspective, as he said. Not the skewed lines we use to segment groups and label people, ah, as a person labeled autism, I really appreciate his statements. Social justice work acts as to be impartial to our own preferred yet imperfect religious, political, and ideological beliefs. Social justice cannot be understood or pursued solely through the prism of our own biases, and its divine nature makes it a communal and holy ideal, something that cannot be owned or controlled by any one person, group, ideology, or partisan agenda. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Recognize that we can't just have justice for ourselves. We need community justice, global community justice. And he said, "It could be hard, but we're invited by God to help accept that our own religious communities, political parties, economic policies, government systems, and social structures are capable of injustice. Nobody's blameless, not even ourselves. So this is what he says to fellow Christians, because he's one." So let's pray that our work is consistent in our pursuits, that when we encounter injustice, we'll be able to bring love, mercy, and justice to others, especially when it's needed within our very own country, local party, church, or family. He would... He, I know he would also, you know... walk. He would say, walk humbly with our God. And he would also say do justice and love mercy that's a social justice uh scripture for many social justice warriors then he would say the pursuit of justice challenges to have no double standards or ulterior motives it shouldn't be used to harm the reputation of our enemies or score political points for our favorite candidate or spread a partisan agenda social justice work is a sacred response is a sacred responsibility we must be equally passionate about ending oppression, whether we find the culprit of injustice, be a friend or foe. This is why pursuing social justice is easy for us when rooted in the love of Christ, as he says, because again, he's Christian, because through the power of the Holy Spirit, the miracle the mystery of love can be achieved. His prayer, this is the prayer he wrote. He said, Dear God, may my pursuit of justice be honorable, pure, lovely, commendable, and just. May my thoughts, words, and actions be worthy of praise and truthful. Jesus, lead me through the powerful example of your life and words, may the Holy Spirit guide me. And then he quoted these three scriptures James chapter 2, verse 1, NIV. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. For God shows no partiality. Romans chapter 2, verse 11. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Those are his statements. I just love that. I'm glad I shared that there are believers who really get. The premises and the purpose for their job, so it's refreshing for them to interpret the Bible in sensible ways. Okay. Let's share a little bit more. I'ma just go I'ma just talk about the characteristics of Pharisees. I'ma go for 50 of them. It says Not mingle with people they call sinful. And how I interpret that? Their sins have not been publicized, but they love to publicize the sins of other people while keeping their sins private. Pharisees are very critical of others in small matters. Pharisees live by legalistic rules, even though they break them themselves. And Pharisees make little deals the big deals, so they could feel better about being hypocritical. And then Pharisees are motivated by jealousy and hatred, even though they pretend to act as if they're just the most loving, sweet people. Then, Pharisees are suspicious and assume the worst about other people. That means they're into projection and deflection when it comes to their own unrighteousness slash wickedness. Pharisees are very careless in their speech. So Pharisees have conniving tongues and careless tongues. Pharisees neglect their family responsibilities in the name of religion. Meaning they spend all their time in church and they make the church God over them. So being there for their spouse and children, they, the Pharisees cheat on their family with the church or the church is their mistress. And they cheat on God with the church too. Mm. Pharisees are easily offended, meaning they are a bunch of thin-skinned motherfuckers. Pharisees are spiritually blind. That means they are addicted to la-la land. Fantasy land, fairy tale land, funky dory, fine and dandy Christianity. Let's be friends. Can we all get along, sing a song? Can we all hold hands and dance? Sugar and rainbows. Sugar, spice, and everything nice. False optimism and toxic positivity. Pharisees are addicted to all these drugs of choices for them. Pharisees are hypocrites self-explanatory. Pharisees seek to catch others in their words. In other words, they want to be accusatory, hypercritical, and caustic in their questions, and their comments, and their compliments, and their insults. Pharisees are hard-hearted. That's self-explanatory. Pharisees cannot appreciate loud praise in public, even though they pretend to be publicly pious persons. they feel like only we can be the loud God praises. Then it says Pharisees have knowledge without obedience. What that means is. Well, you know, I got the Bible, the Quran, the Torah in my hand, but to actually apply what it says, I just can't do that because, you know, I'm lazy, but I don't even want God to know that what he does, I just don't want to tell him, but he knows, ah, that's who they are. Pharisees do not practice what they preach, that is self-explanatory. Pharisees bind heavy burdens on others. In other words, I tell you not to worry, but I worry you down by having you fight for social justice on your own. Because I'm not going to fight social justice with you. That's how Pharisees are. Pharisees are the people who believe in survival of the fittest. Every person for themselves, you get yours, you get mine. Even if you don't get yours, I'm going to get mine. Even if you don't get yours, I'm going to get yours, and I'm going to get mine. So they have hyper-materialism, hyper-skepticism, and hyper-individualism, all rooted in I called and poured all the blessings from God and share them with you? No, 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 no. God is too good to me to share anything God got going on with you. That's how Pharisees are. Pharisees seek honor from people. So that's because Pharisees feed their narcissism, their sociopathic, their psychopathy, and they're psychopath. Pharisees think that holiness is in the style of one's clothes, so they are a bunch of superficial, power hungry, money hungry motherfuckers. Pharisees love position titles of honor. In other words, it's all about them. And they want to be called these things because they want to be called titles, but they don't want to live up to the titles. They want to reject the responsibilities of the titles while being braggadocious about these titles. Pharisees corrupt others and themselves self-explanatory. Pharisees take advantage of poor people. Because they want their wealth to be broadened. So they sin. Just to keep up with the Joneses. Even though they're supposed to keep up with Jesus. Pharisees pray long impressive prayers in public. They're a bunch of pseudo-intellectuals. And they have fake faith. Pharisees do missionary work and make people to follow chosen of hell. In other words, they are the people that reject repentance and they encourage other people to reject repentance too. Pharisees interpret scripture without revelation from God, meaning... They lie on God all the time. Pharisees stick with the letters of the law. Basically, they are... um, They are into... Well, the Bible says this. The Bible says that. But their private lives. They make themselves God and put loopholes in the Bible. Just so God's wrath and God's vengeance never applies to them, but applies to everyone else, and especially those they are tribalistic towards. Pharisees string out mosquitoes and swallow camels. Pharisees have no justice, no mercy, and no faithfulness. Pharisees concentrate on having a good testimony externally only. Pharisees say they would never have done the evil that others did. Pharisees persecute God's prophets. Pharisees care too much for the pains of people. Pharisees love money. Pharisees match they are better than others. Pharisees trust in their own righteousness. Pharisees look down on others. Pharisees exalt themselves over others. Pharisees boast about their confidence. Pharisees accuse others. Pharisees imagine that God is their father when actually Satan is their father. Pharisees are liars and murderers. Pharisees persecute those who don't listen to them. Pharisees are jealous of those who can be miracles. They can't. Pharisees judge God with people not doing something that they do. Pharisees test God by asking God. Pharisees have no concern for people they call false sin. Pharisees value their traditions more than the Bible
1: that they call God's Word.
0: Pharisees justify themselves. Basically, in other words, Pharisees lack God's love. Pharisees lack God's joy. Pharisees lack God's peace. Pharisees lack God's patience. Pharisees lack God's kindness, Pharisees lack God's goodness, Pharisees lack God's gentleness, Pharisees lack God's faithfulness, Pharisees lack God's self-control. So basically, Pharisees lack all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. That's what all those words mean. more from the seven deadly sins. Pharisees are full of pride, greed, wrath, envy, lust, gluttony, and sloth. So Pharisees lack uh, prudence, justice, temperance, fortitude, faith, hope, and charity. And Pharisees lack humility, diligence, chastity. And Pharisees lack gratitude as well. So Pharisees are full of vain glory, vanity, and ascetia. And it shows up in the Christian Pharisees, for example. They would say things like, If they knew their Bible as I did, things would be better for them. I follow the rules, so I'm in right standing with God. I don't hang around people like that. I have some issues and problems, so that's between God and me. No least I'm better off than so and so. If they to work harder at doing what's right, then they would be better off. The way they're doing church isn't the right And then it gets worse. They believe it's not their responsibility to help people and help themselves. Feeling grateful to be a Christian when you see other people's failures and, fall, and flaws. People follow God's rules are better than those who don't. Giving unsolicited and out-of-the-blue advice on matters of belief, theology, and doctrine to others. Depends to let someone know that what they believe is wrong and tell them the right way. Judging those who see things differently. The quote-unquote right action more important than the quote-unquote right attitude. Can't accept the rebuke, especially from people you deem to be quote-unquote less spiritual than you. I will only listen to God. Since Holy Spirit frequently speaks to people, this reveals great spiritual pride, sees more about what's wrong with people in churches than what's right, keeps score their spiritual life compared to others, feels better about yourself because of all the things you do for the Lord, believes you are appointed to fix everyone else, acts as a self-appointed watchman or sheriff of God's kingdom, goes on the mission to tear down whatever you believe is wrong, you have a leadership style that's bossy, overbearing, and intolerant of others as weaknesses or failures. Have a sense that you're closer to God and what you do is more pleasing to God than others. Proud of how spiritually mature you are compared to others. Have, a, have mechanical prayer life. Focuses on works and making comparisons rather than your relationship with the Lord. Suspicious and opposed to new movements, church, etc. This is an obvious sign of jealousy or pride that God wouldn't do anything new. Without doing it through me or us, meaning denomination. Prone to do supernatural manifestations with evidence of God's approval. This paper is just another form of keeping score and comparison. Unable to join anything you don't deem perfect or nearly perfect. Tends of glory in what you're doing, building, etc. Critical of other people's walks with God. Identities rooted in a lifestyle of Christianity instead of Christ. You know more about the truth of Jesus or the law than the way of Jesus. Your closest Christian relationships are based solely on ministry activities. Project righteousness, but are inwardly filled with sin. So it's project righteousness, but are inwardly filled with sin. Try to conform to outward holiness without inward transformation. Judge others by their appearance, ready to throw stones at others for the same or similar things you do in secret. Finding hard to be friends with people do the wrong things. For yes, those are Christian pharisaical attitudes to completely avoid. None of them are worth harboring in one's heart.
1: So,
0: I'm explaining more reasons why people are leaving church and 11 characteristics of the self-righteous. They do not see their walk with God as a community project. They do not work well with others. They consistently believe they are right and know best. They are resistant to change. They do not respond well when reminded they need to change. They do not desire others' as exhortation or admonition, even getting angry at times. They are not patient with those who mess up, struggle with sin, or have lost their way. They do not deal well with opposition or accusations. They will consistently wonder why God has to put them out for difficulty. They do not see a need to admit or confess their sins. They consistently point out the sins of others with an air of superiority. There's more Pharisees love to argue and call them friendly debates. I'm not saying any of these things to make anybody religious, just giving people more of understanding of why people are tired of performative religion, why people are tired of theatrical religion. So Pharisees spend more time focusing on what they hate rather than on what they love. Pharisees magnify the sins of others while minimizing even ignoring their own. Pharisees believe and spread accusations against others without ever going to them directly, something you you insist on if it were you being slandered. Pharisees are quick to pass judgment but slow to inquire and listen to those they're judging. It breaks a Pharisee's jaw to admit they're wrong or apologize to those they've mistreated. Pharisees only hang out with other Pharisees. I'm going to add this. Pharisees protect other Pharisees. Pharisees defend other other Pharisees too. Then Pharisees impute evil motives to the hearts of others, but are clueless that they're merely revealing what's in their home. Pharisees cannot tolerate correction even when it's given the spirit of Christ. So Pharisees have insensitivity to what God says. Pharisees are resistant to God's authority. Pharisees value disobedience to what the Lord is instructing them to do. Pharisees value the justification of sinful conduct. Pharisees are about the rejection of reproof, rejection of reproof by others. Pharisees have preoccupation with worldly things. Pharisees have little to no interest in spiritual matters. Pharisees are of the absence of private devotion, Bible reading and prayer. Pharisees are of the avoidance of gathering to worship with other believers because Pharisees suffer from the danger of hardening hearts. There's more to be said About these Pharisees. Pharisees have hard hearts. Pharisees are into failing to respond, listening to God with no intention of obeying, produces an inability to obey, refusing to listen. Refusing to listen leads to a loss of spiritual hearing. Rejecting deserved rebuke, rejecting God's gift makes our neck stiff and our hard heart hard. Rebelling and being discontented, suffering, discomfort, and attitude that blames God. Having wealth and prosperity, taking God's blessings for granted and causing us to feel as if they were owed to us and to disobeying Pharaoh's will for this being has led to this hard heart. So Pharisees have all of those traits of character. Stephen Matson, I'm ashamed of Christianity for never of Christ mm. October 7 October 7, 2018, The term Christianity has a variety of interpretations that can mean many different things to many different people and we see that all the time in this world in this climate of fear and the climate of bullying as well. Even self-identified Christians can agree upon its definition, and a fraction into countless denominations and sects as CTS because of it. Protestant Reformation fucked up Christianity for sure. As a child, Stephen says, I was taught that Christianity essentially meant being like Christ Loving Jesus and emulating his life to the best of my ability. But as I got older, this message became infin- 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 infinitely more complex. At least he's a believer that can acknowledge the shades of gray of life. In other words, gray areas. And Stephen says, Instead of loving our enemies, it became okay to kill them, especially if they lived in the Middle East and were Muslim. Thou shalt not kill soon only applied to unborn babies, but not to the death penalty, war, or gun violence. Wow. Abortion is not murder. And abortion, not a crime. Love your neighbor was no longer relevant to particular people, immigrants, and refugees and the spiritual model doing to others and you would have and you would have it built to you golden rule wasn't practiced with our political opponents ooh I've seen the debates of our midterms it's basically a kindergarten gardener contest after Christianity transformed from a faith relying on Jesus to a civic religion Obsessed with obtaining partisan power, this co-opting of Jesus manipulating his gospel of love and redemption to fit the narrative of an expanding American empire, specifically to maintain the colonial stronghold of white supremacy, fits a historical pattern. This is what I call a shitty historical pattern. And it says Christianity was used to justify many past atrocities, put in the Crusades, the Inquisition, and even the Holocaust. Mm. Mm. They have the audacity to Christianize world domination, even though Jesus never does that. Mm. and it says christendom's entry into what we now call the united states was genocidal by nature indigenous land was stolen and they were given the option to assimilate or be killed with this violent takeover came slavery segregation sexism all supported and carried out by institutional christianity So they made, they killed Native Americans and had Native Americans assimilate themselves for them. This is all on Christ like, by the way. And then it said then he said, the evil of labeling these sins as being quote unquote Christian is still rampant today, normalized by centuries of socialization and indoctrination. The Bible has been weaponized by all sides as a tool to deal to Theologize their agenda. Theologize their agendas, and Jesus has been co- conveniently erased to further quell our spiritual consciousness. The greatest victims of this are the poor, oppressed, and marginalized. The people Jesus specifically went out of his way to love. There's nothing angelic about things, about Pharisees. But there's everything demonic about Pharisees, so though is where I'll say to that. Then it says for a religion that bears that name of Christ, Jesus has become an uncomfortable topic for Christians. I would dare say the Pharisaical Christians. Indeed. Because when the Prince of Peace says things like Blessed are the peacemakers, we're forced to confront that we're a nation endlessly at war that spends hundreds of billions of dollars on the military. Militarism is a sickness in and of itself, by the way. And when he says, blessed the meek and blessed the merciful and blessed the pure in heart, we're confronted with a hypocrisy by political and national ideologies. In other words, Jesus dislikes phony ass motherfuckers. He can't stand the fake asses that are on that fake shit. Then it says, this quote unquote Christianity means being complicit in institutional injustice. Christianity is being used to, to denigrate women, sexually abuse children, reinforce racism policies, implement oppressive legislation, expand martial violence, and maintain a status quo as a system that benefits a few at the expense of many. Jesus does not co sign any of these forms of inhumanity. He never has, he never will. And it says, least of these are often discarded, a dispensable resource to further promote the depravity listed above. Mm-hmm. Quote-unquote, Christianity is where women are still mostly prevented from being in leadership, where thousands of children have been sexually abused, where LGBT plus people are continually ostracized, where white people widely voted for and continue to support a racist named Donald Trump who is not a real president because that's insulting Barack Obama where victims are silenced, blamed, and shamed instead of empowered where the stock market for one case, are more important than protecting immigrants and refugees. Where money and power and fame and influence are pursued more than following Jesus. I'm basically flogging the Pharisees. With my wisdom. Stephen Matson says I'm ashamed of Christianity. But I'll never be ashamed of Christ. Jesus the, who sacri- Jesus, the person who sacrificed, Jesus, the person who loved others even at the expense of, of giving up his own life, who fed the poor and cared for the sick, who empowered the oppressed instead of solidarity with Samaritans, Gentiles, women, children, sick, poor, and outcasts of society. He was arrested by the authorities, abandoned, betrayed by his friends, put on trial, convicted, and crucified by the ruling power by the ruling empire of his day, because he was also assassinated. These are all facts about Jesus. That makes Pharisees feel like I'm entitled to just get whatever and whoever from you, God. And basically, God was saying. Just like Herod, y'all are
1: foxes.
0: Yeah. Faced with the life words of Jesus, how we can tell Christianity is either a relationship with God or merely a social identifier, a way to side with the dominant culture. If you define Christianity according to Jesus, this type of Christianity is the antithesis of American Christianity. It's a Christ driven Christianity, a Christ like Christianity, that gains power by giving its by it's a Christ of Christianity that gains power by giving away by being sacrificial, by reflecting love to Christ, who is by his very nature and body God, God's very essence. this is what I really want to say. The implications of this perspective on faith and prosperity are significant. First, if wealth and health are a result of the degree of faith a person has, this leads to the conclusion that the poor are poor because they're spiritually deficient. This is exactly the reason that Colbert and Fickert announced the need for a the prosperity gospel and they comment that repenting of a belief in the prosperity gospel is an important step in being able to help the poor in a meaningful way. Well, the prosperity gospel ignores the effects of the sin of others and structural evils that may be the cause of poverty. Believing harder fails to eliminate poverty and advance human flourishing. Second, the prosperity gospel emphasizes the importance of temporal wealth in the future. While scripture records examples of faithful rich men, example Abraham, it also records examples of people who are poor or sick yet were also faithful, example the Apostle Paul. Establishing conditions where widespread, holistic human flourishing is possible is a good thing that is entirely different from a quest for individual wealth and health. Third, the so called law of faith that sees a direct coalition. Between positive thinking and material prosperity distracts individuals from understanding the natural laws that govern economic reality. Expecting a future supernatural blessing to make a balloon payment on a mortgage may tempt someone to ignore the financial realities of an excessively large loan to value ratio on a house. This could result in real naturally caused financial ruin. This prosperity gospel something different from a biblically oriented approach to flourishing. Even given the basic outline of the Prosperity Gospels, but there are fundamental differences between the health and wealth gospel, and basically the logical theological and basically placed theological approach to human flourishing. And, and, and there are many reasons for poverty, but it's easy to blame everyone who's in poverty to pull themselves by the bootstraps. Some people are so poor, they have no strew no strings and no boots whatsoever. Plus I hate the prosperity gospel because it says that my grandma was too poor to be a true mature Christian which is motherfucking offensive to me. Okay. If Jesus were alive today, he would hate destructive cults Doomsday cults, political cults, racist cults, terrorist cults, the cult of personality, sex scandal cults, sex abuse cults intimate partner violence cults, domestic violence cults, organized crime cults, the unethical type of feminist cults, the unethical sex cults, extremist cults, and bigotry cults in general. Jesus would be heartbroken by suicide cults too. So there's more I'm going to say. Jesus warned against using anti-gay slurs. In that translation of Matthew chapter 5 verse 22 reads, Anyone who says to a brother or sister Rock is an answerable to the court. There's no Greek text does not include sister, and the word "rock" is most likely a transliteration of the Aramaic word. Rakeh, which is a feminine form of an ad- adjective that means to be tender, weak, or soft. So this would be comparable to calling a man a sissy or worse. The early church welcomed non-gender conforming people. One of the first recorded factors by the apostles was of the Ethiopian unit, Acts chapter 8, verse 27. Examples of love to include the same gender as Bible. Samuel chapter 18 verse Love Samuel chapter 1 verse 26. Some people call this romance. I call that a same-sex, lovely dovey relationship. Since the Tyran and Serpent, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 10. The word used for servant here, paeus, was commonly used to describe a servant who was a romantic partner of the master. So Jesus was have been conquered by the gay wedding. It's from Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, Ruth and Naomi. Ruth expressed her devotion to Naomi with, Wherever you go, will go, where, wherever you live, I will go. The people be my people and God will be my God, but he God will die and there will be very Lord, more do it for the evidence and severity and effort that separates your Only like people in love make those statements like that. That's why I think that we can It clear that it's by family, uh like Lee, uh, whose
1: uh daughter is
0: actually I wanna make it clear
1: of the company now that I think she'd be doing that. Christ-likeness
0: is much deeper than what we have been to told. so it's Christ like to understand. Getting my thoughts together, give me a moment.
1: Institutional
0: discrimination is anti-Christ-likeness. Structural Structural discrimination is
1: is
0: anti-Christ-likeness. Ageism is anti-Christ-likeness. Ableism is anti-Christ likeness. Genetic discrimination is anti-Christ likeness. Discrimination against people with red hair and discrimination based upon hair color are anti-Christ
1: likeness.
0: Discrimination based on hair texture is anti-Christ likeness. Height discrimination is anti-Christ likeness. Lookism is anti Christ likeness. Sizeism or size discrimination are anti Christ likeness. Linguistic discrimination is anti Christ likeness. Racism is anti Christ likeness. Nordicism is anti Christ likeness. Discrimination based on skin color. Colorism and shadism are Antichrist likeness. Rankism is Antichrist
1: likeness.
0: Caste systems are Antichrist likeness. Class discrimination and classism are Antichrist likeness. Religious discrimination is Antichrist likeness. Sexism is Antichrist likeness. Sexual orientation discrimination is Antichrist likeness. Gender identity discrimination is anti christ Discrimination based on genderlessness is anti-christ-like. Uh, sex characteristics discrimination is anti-christ-likeness. Discrimination against asexual people, acephobia, aphobia, or anti-christ-likeness. Adultism is antichrist-likeness. Adult supremacy and adult superiority are antichrist-likeness. Anti-albinism and persecution of people with albinism are antichrist-likeness. Discrimination against autistic people and anti-autism are antichrist-likeness. Discrimination against drug addicts and anti-drug addicts are anti-Christ-likeness. Discrimination against homeless people and anti-homelessness are anti-Christ-likeness. Anti-intellectualism is anti-Christ-likeness. Anti-intersex discrimination against intersex people. Are anti Christ likeness. Bias against left handed people and anti left handedness are anti Christ likeness. Xenophobia is anti Christ likeness. Vegaphobia and Vegaphobia are anti Christ likeness. Discrimination against transgender men, transandrophobia. And transmisandry are anti-Christ likeness. Transmisogyny, transmisogyny, transphobic misogyny are anti-Christ likeness. Discrimination against non-binary people is anti-Christ likeness. Discrimination against genderqueer people are anti-Christ likeness. Transphobia is anti-Christ likeness. White supremacy, white supremacism, or anti Christ likeness. Black supremacy, or black supremacism, are anti Christ likeness. Supremacism is anti Christ likeness. Superiority or anti Christ likeness. Sectarianism is anti Christ likeness. Pregnancy discrimination is anti Christ likeness. The perpetual foreigner stereotype is anti-Christ likeness. Fear of children, hatred of children, paedophobia are anti-Christ likeness. nepotism is anti-Christ likeness. You think
1: about it. You want to
0: do a in terms of the dirty politics type of work it. Uh, misogyny is anti Christ likeness. Misandry is anti Christ likeness. Lesbophobia is anti Christ likeness. Leprosy stigma, leprosy related stigma, lepro stigma, stigma, leprosy are anti Christ likeness. Homophobia is anti Christ likeness. Gay phobia is anti Christ likeness. Heterosexism is anti Christ likeness. Gerontophobia is anti Christ likeness. HIV slash AIDS. Stigma, seraphobia, discrimination against people with HIV/AIDS, anti-Christ likeness. Social stigma of obesity and fat phobia, anti-Christ likeness. Epiphobia is anti-Christ likeness. Elitism is anti likeness. Cronyism in the dirty politics sense is anti-Christ likeness. Biphobia is anti-Christ likeness all I did all is anti-Christ like anti-Christ likeness. You know, anti masonry is anti-Christ like on the planet
1: so this is, again this is this, this is this is major stuff and I remember God Can I, anybody
0: in this room at any given time because of the
1: level of
0: Okay, I wanna sum it all up in the best way possible. So, to be Christ-like, you must hate all of these things I'm about to say. Witch hunts, white selling, white power music, white flight, violence against women, violence against men, victimization, Trans bashing, slut shaming, sex shaming, crude shaming, kink shaming, rape culture, slavery, sex selective abortion, segregation academies, scapegoating, religious wars, religious violence, religious terrorism, religious persecution, bread scares, purge, programs, persecution, opposition to immigration, occupational segregation, Native American mascots, murder music. Um. Mortgage discrimination, mortgage lending discrimination, lynchings, lavenders, the lavender scares, infantilization, Indian rolling, housing discrimination, homeless dumping, patient dumping, online hate speech, hate speech, hate groups, violence against LGBTQIA+ people, hate crimes of all kinds, glass ceilings, examples of genocide, genocide. Genital modification and mutilation, gender side, gay bashing, gay bullying, freak shows, creep shows, forced conversions, ethnocide, evil spirited based ethnic jokes, ethnic hatred, inter ethnic hatred, racial hatred, ethnic tension, ethnic conflicts, ethnic cleansing, discrimination, discrimination in education. Economic discrimination, eliminationism, dog whistle politics, disability hate crimes, democide, defamation, cultural genocide, counter jihad, counter jihad movement, corrective rape, curative rape, homophobic rape, compulsory sterilization, forced coerced sterilization, Uh, Cyber Bullying, Cyber Harassment, Online Bullying, Bullying, Blood Libels, Ritual ritual Murder Libels. Voter Suppression, Voter Intimidation, The Ugly Laws, Sodomy Laws, State Atheism, State Religion. Sex segregation, religious segregation, racial segregation, age segregation, Um, geographical segregation, the prohibition of same sex marriage, gay marriage, and marriage equality, redlining. Racial steering, racial cold as the one-drop rule. The Nuremberg Nuremberg Laws. Men who have sex with men, blood donation restrictions. Seeing people as non-persons. Numerous causes. as religious or racial quota, gerrymandering, ghetto benches, internment camps, internments, Jewish quotas, Jim Crow laws, Katwanam Melayu, Kinder DeLandstrasse, McCarthyism, the law for protection of the nation, the white Australia policy, Asia candidacy, blood purity, blood quantum laws, Indian blood laws, crime of apartheid, discriminatory policies on disabilities, Uh, discriminatory policies on people with disabilities um when it comes to like the roman catholics as well as you know the hatred of people who are jewish who have disabilities environmental racism economic apartheid ethnocracy um Ethno-pluralism. The gender pay gap, gerontocracy. Racism by country, political correctness, prejudice, prisoner abuse, racial bias and criminal news, religious intolerance, male privilege, heteronormativity, internalized oppression, humanization, eugenics, ethnic penalties. Anti culture, international, anti ethnic terms. I torn? I, a matto normativity, out of filia. Reverse racism, reverse discrimination, snobbery. The social model, of disability, social exclusion, social stigma, speciesism, stereotype <laughs> threats. White privilege, white skin privilege, stereotype threats. police brutality, oppression, oyakophobia, um, Christian privilege, The medical mild disability for autism, the net bias, and um, ethnic and national um, discriminations when it comes to Africans, Albanians, Americans, A- Arabs, Armenians, Australians, Aust- Austrians, the British, Canadians, Catalans, Chechens, Chip. Chileans, the Chinese, the Croats, um, English people, Filipinos, Finnish, French, Malani, Georgian, German, Greek, Haitian, Hazara, Hispanic, Hungarian, Igbo, Indian, Canadian, and US indigenous peoples, Indonesian, Iranian, Irish, Israeli, Italian, Japanese, Jewish, Khmer, Korean, Kurdish, Malay, Mexican, Middle Eastern, Mongolian, Montenegrin, Mahashir, Pakistani, Palestinian, Pashtun, Polish, Quebec, Romani, Romanian, Russian, Scottish, Serb, Slavic, Somali, Tatar, Thai, Tibetan, Turkish, Ukrainian, Ugar, Venezuelan, and Vietnamese. And Religious discrimination based on Zoroastrianism, Sunnism, Sufism, Protestantism, Rastafari, Sikhs, Shiism, Copts, Oriental, CLPTS, uh, Oriental Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, Non Muslims, Neo Paganism, LSDS or Mormons, persecution uh, of Jews, religious anti Semitism, the persecution of Jehovah's Witnesses, persecution of Muslims, Islamophobia, untouchability, persecution of Hindus, and in, you know, anti-Hindu sentiments and Falun, the persecution of Falun Gong and persecution of of dreams and religious persecution persecution of Christians in the post-Cold World era uh, persecution of Christians and anti-Catholicism persecution of Buddhists persecution of Baha faith, uh, discrimination against atheists and uh, persecution of Ahmadis. These are all forms of un-Christ-likeness. Um, including the traditional gender roles that have been used to perpetuate cis-sexism and, and cis-heteropatriarchy which are, Forms of antichrist likeness, as well. Oh. Uh. I also want to say, but there's more. That here are all the other forms of antichrist likeness, which are abuse of authority, abuse of courts, abuse of discretion. Abuse of dominance, abuse of indulgences, abuse of information, abuse of power, abuse of process, abuse of rank, abuse of statistics, abuse of the system, abuse of trust, abuse of supervision, academic abuse, adolescent abuse, adult abuse, um, animal abuse, antisocial behavior, alcohol abuse, disorder antisocial behavior, bullying, character assassinations, child abuse, principal abuse of children, child sexual abuse, child on child sexual abuse, church abuse, civil rights abuse, clandestine abuse, clerical abuse, cyber abuse or cyber bullying, dating abuse or dating violence, defamation, detaining abuse, disability abuse, discriminatory abuse, doctor abuse, domestic abuse or domestic violence, drug abuse, economic abuse, elder abuse, emotional abuse, employee abuse, false accusations, financial abuse, Flag abuse, gaming, the system, gaslighting, gay abuse or gay bashing, harassment, hate crimes hazing, human rights abuses, humiliation, incivility, institutional abuse, insults, intimidation, legal abuse, lesbian abuse, malpractice, market abuse, material abuse, medical abuse, mental abuse, medical abuse, material abuse, military abuse, mind abuse and mind control, misconduct mobbing narcissistic abuse neglect negligence nurse abuse or nursing abuse online abuse parental abuse by children passive aggressive behavior patient abuse peer abuse persecution personal abuse or personal attacks physical abuse torture uh police abuse political abuse prejudice prisoner prisoner abuse or prison abuse professional abuse psychological abuse racial abuse ragging rape relational aggression religious abuse resident abuse, rudeness, satanic virtual abuse, um, school bullying, sectarian abuse, self abuse, sexual abuse, sexual bullying, sibling abuse, smear campaigns, cyber abuse, spiritual abuse, spousal abuse, stalking, structural abuse, surveillance abuse, substance abuse disorders, um, structural abuse, taunting, teacher abuse, teasing, telephone abuse, terrorism, Transgender abuse or trans bashing, umpire abuse, verbal abuse, verbal attacks, whispering campaigns, characteristics and styles of abuse, workplace abuse or workplace bullying, abusive power control, effects of abuse on victims, and the psychological characteristics of abuse. Now, knowing what I've read about Jesus, he would be very much into empathy and compassion and, and able to love towards people with substance use disorders and alcohol use disorders. You'd be non-judgmental about those things. And when I talk about satanic people, I'm not talking about non-Christians. And I'm not talking about secular people. They said the word "abuse" sometimes with people who misuse things. So that's what I was referring to. And let me tell you what is unchristlike: incest, necrophilia, bestiality, forced prostitution, procuring or pandering when it comes to prostitution against people's wills, indecent exposure, public indecency, statutory rape, marital rape, sex trafficking, sexual abuse, molestation, child sexual abuse, sexual abuse of adults, sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexual slavery, human trafficking, sexual violence child grooming child pornography, child prostitution criminal transmission of HIV cyber sex trafficking um, the criminalization of homosexuality the horrific sense of deviant sexual intercourse it basically that is kink shaming and sex shaming, which is wrong. So, the I'm so thankful that Lawrence versus Texas legalized this consensual practice, anal or oral sex. At, thank you, Supreme Court, for getting something right in 2003. Um, Miscegenation laws of the Jim Crow era—that's unChrist-like. Um, sex workers' rights is Christ-like. Sex—the sex-positive movement—is Christ-like. Sex-positive feminism is Christ-like. Here are the other forms of Christ-likeness. The Mute R. Kelly movement. The Mute Bill Cosby movement. The Me Too movement. The Time's Up movement. The Him Too movement. And the Church Too movement. Jesus wouldn't glorify adultery. And at the same time, he would acknowledge there are certain cases that involve great areas, and he would be of empathy and compassion towards it. However, he wouldn't be um, glamorizing it either. There's a balance. And Jesus would show a lot of empathy and compassion towards survival sex. At the same time, he wouldn't advertise it, he wouldn't glamorize it, and he would be very compassionate to the street children, street adults who have no choice but to have survival sex. And he would be angry at society for putting people in such situations that are so heinous. And Jesus would want the sex industry to be ethical. Instead of unethical. Um, Jesus values age of consent laws Jesus hates child prostitution Jesus hates general mutilation of all people And, you know, Jesus Would, um Jesus would not be up in arms about ethical fornication. Um voyeurism and exhibition is as long as it's consensual enthusiastically, Jesus would be, wouldn't be up in arms about that either. Um, unethical fornication, unethical for voyeurism, unethical exhibitions which means blatant disrespect. Jesus would be up in arm about those things, so Jesus wouldn't mind ethical pornography, but unethical pornography would very much upset him. Um, Jesus is not into anti sexualism, that for sure. Jesus is into ethics, bodily integrity, um, sexual consent, for sure. Jesus would be up in arms against sex offenders, and he would give them a lot of hell to pay. Jesus would not be into the censorship of truths being spoken in love, though. Jesus would be into of age sexting. Underage sexting would offend him greatly. Jesus doesn't mind seduction as long as everyone's of age, though, and it's consensual. So Jesus values sex in the law.
1: Basically, Jesus is open to
0: and would love all of the ethical forms of cohabitation, living together, with being married, monogamy, polyamory, polygamy, polyantry, polygyny, um open marriages and relationships and Arranged marriages and and relationships and um, civil unions, Mm -hmm. domestic partnerships, uh, casual relationships, uh, female-led relationships, romantic friendships. um. Ethical means there is, when I say ethical, it means enthusiastic consent, enthusiastic equality, enthusiastic respect enthusiastic trust, enthusiastic safety. And the certs model has to be all around. Consent, equality, respect, trust, safety, all, all around. He would be against cousin marriages, though. And, um... Jesus wouldn't mind, like, ethical swinging. He would be in favor of gender, sexual diversity, as long as everyone's being true to each other and themselves. And, um... That's how Jesus would be Ethical swinging wouldn't bother him Would not bother him either As long as there Is all around consent All around trust All around equality All around respect All around safety As long as people are of age And there's no abuse No violence No crime Uh No deception, no betrayal. Jesus is living, let live, golden rule type of person on those
1: things. So Jesus hates
0: war crimes, white collar, white collar crimes, victimless crimes, state corporate crimes, state crimes, public order crimes, political crimes, organized crime, juvenile delinquency, corporate crimes, blue collar crimes, treason offenses against the state, crimes against the person and crimes against humanity. Jesus hates all of those things. Jesus hates drug trafficking, violence, financial crimes, and cyber crimes. Jesus hates white collar crimes and corruption. And yes, again, Jesus hates human trafficking. Um, Jesus hates harmful or dangerous drugs, sexual offenses, violence offenses, against offenses against the person, offenses against property, forgery, personation, and cheating, um, but, um, offenses against the state slash offenses against the crown and government, political offenses, uh, offenses against public justice or offenses against the administration of public justice, offenses against religion and public worship, offense against uh, public morals and public policy, Motor vehicle offenses, conspiracies, incites, attempt to commit crimes, and co offenses, use to not delinquency, victimless crimes, harmful dangerous drugs. Um, When I say offenses, I'm talking about evil spirit, just to be of wickedness, and co offenses too. So Jesus would hate all of those things. more sexual identity and gender identity are components of a person's personality and as a Christian you should believe that and as such are part of who God made each of us to be Um, Celibacy is good if one is called to it, but it is not for everyone. The Bible contains feminine images of God in addition to the masculine metaphors of father and king. God's wisdom in Proverbs is personified as female and Christ is the wisdom of God. Many references to God describe acts associated with women nurturing life in the womb giving birth, and protecting children. Um, that's not a bash against abortion. I just want to say that at all. I wasn't talking about um, being against reproductive rights for it. I'm talking about it's about to be born type of uh, the baby. Uh there are several characters in the Bible who are non-gender conforming. Um, Haggai, the eunuch in charge of the palace women, the story of Esther, helped Esther become queen. Abed Melech was also as a eunuch who saved the life of the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 38. The man carrying a water jar whom Jesus indicated would take the disciples to the room for his last supper was doing work that was normally done by women, and yet was given this part to play Jesus' ministry, Luke chapter 22, verse 10. Deborah, Judges 4, verse 5, was a judge of Israel acting as a prophet, in military leader at a time when women were treated like property valued by the number of children they could bear. Joseph, Jacob's son, was given an ornate robe by his father, Jesus, chapter 37, verse 3. The Hebrew word used here for the robe. Katana Pasim is used elsewhere to mean the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore, second, same chapter 13, verse 18. Jacob preferred to be with his mother at home, enjoy cooking with smooth skin, in contrast to his brother, who was hairy, and preferred to hunt and be outdoors. Chapter 25. Then it says.
1: The 18 characteristics
0: of of a Pharisee. Number one, they threw aside God's commandments and made the commandments of men and traditions into doctrines. They were more concerned with outer purity rather than the purity of the heart. Jesus said they cleaned the inside of the cup, but inside their hearts were full of wickedness. They tithed on herbs, which is good, but more important, matters like justice and love for God were overlooked. They strained out a gnat, but they swallowed a camel. They loved the highest and public breedings in the market because they were selfish and wanted to be seen by people to the point of enlarging the borders of their clothes. They made people fall. Jesus said that they were like hidden graves that made unsuspecting people fall in. They did not want people to be healed on the Sabbath that God made for people. But yet they would take out their ox if it fell in a pit on Sabbath. And okay, they to make it more gender inclusive they threw aside god's commandments and made the commandments of people and traditions in the doctrines okay uh number seven they burdened people with unnecessary traditions and did not raise a finger to hell they built the salt because of the prophets that their own ancestors killed in fact they killed jesus they took away the key of knowledge they blocked people from getting into heaven they themselves did not get in they devoured widows houses they said long prayers pretending that they were righteous they went on land and sea to convert people, and they made those converts twice a child of hell as themselves. They forbade people from swearing by the gold of the temple, but they swore by the temple itself. They talked and did not do anything. They even praised God with their lips and their hearts were far from God. They were fools, blind guides, and hypocrites. John the Baptist called them vipers. They loved the temple accused and opposed Jesus. They continuously tried to entangle him in his talk, Paul, who was a Pharisee, told of his own nature before his conversion. I, Paul, barely thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus, Nazareth. So when he came on the scene after Jesus' ascension, he persecuted the Christian church. There is hope even for Pharisees. Acts 7, chapter 6, verse 7 tells us what happened after Jesus went back to heaven, and his disciples preached to being filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, and, the word of, and, you know, the word of God increased the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. They asked for a sign to believe when many were already given, given yet another sign they would not believe. Note that the incident mentioned in the given text was after three and a half years of Jesus working miracles, healing all types of diseases and he breaking dead. So I'm not green preacher or churchy. I am talking to Pharisees in this entire episode. So there's no condemnation for non-Christians. There's no condemnation for secularists. I am addressing the hypocrites proudly in this episode. There's so much more. So here's how what churches can do better: adjust your stance on marketing, refresh your website, optimize local search, put your sermons online, engage your congregation with email and social media, post quotes. Post questionnaires to help people find their God-given talents. Provide a clear path toward involvement. Create ways to collect donations online. Stop being resistant to change. Stop the failure to grow/slash keep your donor base. Stop the failure to embrace technology. Stop the failure to expand leadership. Stop the lack of a clear vision for your ministry. Stop the failure to adapt to COVID-19. And what are the indicators that the church is about to close? Your attendance has been declining for four or more years. The church no longer reflects the community. Most congregants are senior adults. The church focuses on the past and on the future. Members focus on their own priorities and preferences over the collective good of ministering to others. The budget focuses almost entirely on meeting the cost of basic operations, little funding, allocated permission at the program. Members claim to certain facilities that no longer serve their purpose, refuses, for example, to replace cues with chairs. This puts their emotional attachment above the needs of the whole congregation. Members fiercely resist change. You are on the path to closing your doors if you're not careful. Sad to say, a lot of churches are closing because the real mission is lost. The church cares more about itself than the people it's called to reach. Its members hate the world. Preserving the past more attractive than embracing the future. The money isn't remotely tied to the mission. As long as people are being ethical, it's, you know, I just want to say that ethicalness is so some as long as people are being ethical, Jesus, you know, just Christ-likeness means he's cool with you. And, um, I'll end with this. Here are Christ-like qualities. The inherent worth and dignity of every person, justice, equity, compassion, and relations, acceptance of one another, and encouragement to spiritually. And acceptance of one another, encouragement to spiritual growth in our universe, Unitarian Universalist congregations, a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, the right of conscience and the use of the democratic process within our Unitarian Universalist congregations and society at large, the goal of a world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all, respect for the independent web of all existence in which we are a part direct transcendence of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures which moves us to renewal of the spirit and openness to the forces which create a full life words and deeds of prophetic people with challenge to confront powers and structures of evil with justice compassion and the transforming power of love wisdom from the world's religions as well as from secular ideologies which inspires us in our ethical spiritual life Jewish and Christian teachings which call us to respond to God's love by love our neighbor as ourselves in this teachings which counsel us to heed the guidance of reason and the results of science and one against ideology of the divine and spirit spiritual teachings of earth-centric traditions which celebrate the sacred circle of life and struggle us to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. So that's what I want to make clear. Is that I'm giving y'all Christ's likeness from the standpoint of, of moral universalism as well as universal value.